We expect a lot from our homes. They're more than a place to hang your hat. They're where you try your hand at gardening and new recipes, rest and recharge, work and play. And that's why at HomeAdvisor, we're committed to keeping your home up and running. Whether you need to repair an overloaded appliance or you're looking to create a backyard retreat worthy of a summer staycation, use the HomeAdvisor app day or night and we'll find a local pro to get the job done right. Whatever you need, we'll do everything to fix your everything. Download the HomeAdvisor app today to get started. Hey, it's Tony Bruschi from Real Ghost Stories Online. As we enter into another year of the podcast, I can't thank you enough for listening and hopefully your support. With more options than ever before for podcast listening, supporting this program and becoming an extra podcast person is more important than it ever has been in the past. And I always try and make it worth your while to be a supporter. For only $5 a month as an EPP, an extra podcast person, here's what you get. You get access to our bonus episodes, brand new ones every single week, more than 300 in the archive that you get with our best ghost stories. You get a free e-copy of our best-selling book, Real Ghost Stories, Haunting Encounters Told by Real People. You also get the audiobook version of it, as well. In addition to that, you're going to get advanced episodes of our program released to you weeks before they go to the public and they're commercial free. So if you're a big listener of the show, you want to cut the ads out, you want to cut this plea out as well, become an EPP, an extra podcast person at ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. You're going to get all of that. On top of that, you also get access to our video archive of our episodes of Seeing Ghosts with new episodes coming in 2020. You get advanced ticket sale options when we go and do live shows so you can get seats before everybody else and a whole lot of other extras throughout the year as a supporter of our program for only $5 a month. Please consider supporting the show you guys spending that $5 a month as a whole is what keeps this alive. Without the support, we will not exist. So if you listen, if you've been an EPP in the past, please consider signing back up to be an extra podcast person and help this show survive. We love doing it, but we can only do it with your support. Ghostpodcast.com or patreon.com slash real ghost stories. And thank you for your support. Real ghost stories from real people. That's what we do here, and that's what we're doing today as we do open lines with your calls of real ghost stories. The phone number is 855-853-4802 to call in your ghost story 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802. Or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You are about to enter the world of the unknown, and quite possibly, the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. That it is, and yes, 855-853-4802 is our phone number to call and share your real ghost stories with us. Write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com, or email your audio file to me. Send it to Tony, T-O-N-Y, at realghoststoriesonline.com, and we'll... Possibly use it on a future episode of the program today. We got some open lines going on, just me in the studio for you today. So I hope, uh, hope that's okay. Hope it'll be okay. Just, just you and me alone together, wherever it is that we may find each other. Um, if you've not uh, pressed subscribe yet, uh, please do so. Whatever platform you listen to us on iTunes uh, or Apple Podcasts. 
Stitcher, YouTube, uh, Spotify, all that helps us uh, grow in those rankings uh, and uh, helps us grow this program. And of course, if you're not on the APP yet, extra podcast person, that's how the show, it stays on the air because of our extra podcast people. And a lot of folks have been with us for several years now. We thank you greatly for that. It's only $5 a month to be an extra podcast person. And with that, you get access to all of our bonus episodes. You get a brand new one every week. There's almost like 300 of them now that you got complete access to, just to binge away on. Those are filled with our best ghost stories. You also get access to our... Uh, regular episodes. Uh, and those go out to you uh, many a weeks before they are released to the general public. So that's another nice little added extra that you get there for being an uh, extra podcast person of real ghost stories online. So yeah, lots of little perks there that we try to uh, to really make it worth your while uh, for the support that you show us here on, uh, on real ghost stories on line uh so yeah today we're gonna go to some of those open lines some of those calls that you guys have uh have sent in to us over uh over the past uh many weeks in fact uh, let's uh let's jump over to one of those right now and uh take a listen hi you are on the air hi tony jenny and carol this is amber from wisconsin i had called about two years ago with a story about my friends and I seeing a face in a school bus as we drove past it. Um, I was listening to the show yesterday and heard the story about the girl who had um, the dream about buying diapers and seeing a specific man and a coaster on the wall before it actually happened, and it made me think of something that happened to me when I was young. Um, So I would have been about eight years old, turning nine, when this happened. And I remember having a very vivid dream one night that I was in my dad's old Jeep by myself. Um, He was parked on the hill next to the driveway by our house, which was weird because he always parked in the garage. And all of a sudden in my dream, uh, the Jeep started moving uh, backwards at a very fast speed, and I couldn't stop it. When it rolled out onto the street, I got hit by a car, and that was when I woke up from the dream. I think it was a few days before that dream happened, and it was my ninth birthday. I lived with my dad because my parents were divorced, and my dad and I were leaving because he was taking taking me to my mom's house for a birthday party that she was having for me. Um, We walked outside, and I had realized that my dad was parked on the grass next to our driveway, just like in my dream, and it was because our driveway was actually being repaved, and he couldn't get into the garage. So we got into the Jeep, he turned it on, Um, he realized he actually forgot his wallet inside, so he ran into the house to grab it. He was in the house for, I would say, less than a minute when the Jeep started to roll backwards. Thankfully, it wasn't fast, like in my dream, so I started screaming at the top of my lungs for my dad to come outside, and he came running out through the Jeep into park, and it stopped. And right then was actually when a car came speeding down our street. They ran the stop sign at the end of our road and ended up hitting another car. So I always think about that and wonder if it was, I guess, their fate to get into an accident that day because they didn't hit our Jeep, but they still hit someone else's car. Um, Nobody was fatally hurt, though, thankfully. So I was just wondering what your thoughts might be. I will call back with more stories soon. Thanks, guys. I think my thoughts on it are, it, it's, it was almost, I mean, it's a warning to you. Had, had you not had that dream, you probably would not have been as vigilant 
uh, of, of what was going on in the car. You may have been kind of lost in your own world, as kids get, uh, and not even realize that the car was rolling until it was too late because you had that dream. You were already kind of on edge because, oh, my God, these these circumstances seem very, very familiar to that dream that you just had. And that allowed you to go, oh, my God, Dad, help. So had that not happened, I don't know. As far as it being the fate of the driver of that other car, I don't know. That That's an interesting thing to contemplate. It's almost like it, it could have gone either way. You could have been in it or part of that accident, or you could have not, depending on how aware you were. And if you go back to the everything happens for a reason uh, philosophy, but maybe that's just kind of an example of that at play. 855-853-4802 is our number at Real Ghost Stories Online to share your real ghost stories with us. If you haven't checked it out yet on our podcast feed of Real Ghost Stories Online, please press subscribe. We have this really cool thing that we're doing now about once a month. It's called RGSO Radio. And I release it on one Saturday a month. I'm going to try to at least. Um, and it is featuring the music that you are hearing now in our EPP bonus episodes. There's so many cool artists and tracks that I had never known existed until I found this this service that we're using to grab these amazing songs, just haunting songs. That's what they really are. And they accent a lot of our stories now in our EPP bonus episodes. Just take it to a whole new level of almost like cinematic feel. I'm loving it, but I'm just, when I'm putting this together, I'm like, damn, these are so good songs. And so many people don't know who these artists are because it's stuff you don't hear on mainstream radio anymore. And they should be. So I thought, you know what? We have the rights to play these. We have the license to use this stuff. I want to go beyond just hear some really creepy accents to our, our bonus episodes. Let's feature some of these people so you guys can know who they are. And if you want to, then you can look them up and support them and get their music and all that. Um, so that's kind of a cool thing. It's on our feed. It's called RGSO Radio. We're RGSO Radio Volume 1, Volume 2, Volume 3. We'll do one a month and uh, feature some of the songs that we had played in those EPP bonus episodes. Tell you who the artists are, um, what the song titles are, a little bit of information about the artists. It's like a radio station. It's me playing radio station is really what it is. It's an excuse to do that with music I can legally play. Uh, because a lot, you know, mainstream stuff you can't play in a podcast. Um, but this, we have the licenses too, so we can do it. And if you ask me, it's better than most of the shit <laughs> here on the radio. So anyway, check it out. I hope you do enjoy that. It's on our podcast feed. There's already one that's out in January. And by the time this airs, the February one will be coming out or very close to. So just a neat little extra thing that we're doing here at uh, Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, let's go to another caller. Hi. Hey, Tony and Jenny. I just wanted to leave you a quick story. I heard a story from August 26th. Um, there was a gentleman that called in about going to Cape May, New Jersey. I also used to go there um, for summer vacations, sometimes like early fall vacations. And there was a resort there. And I used to stay there with an old boyfriend of mine. And I remember one morning, uh, well, after a hard night of partying, um, and we were at this hotel and it faces the ocean and maybe it's called the Cape May Inn. I don't really recall. Um, but I was walking down the hall because I was going to go get us some breakfast. And there were these ladies 
walking toward me that were dressed like maybe they were from like the early 1900s I, I guess like turn of the century and I said good good morning to them and I noticed they like they looked like they were acknowledging me and I was maybe I don't know maybe 22 at the time if that means anything maybe I was just more naive than I am now 20 years later um, I was walking down the hall and they slightly acknowledged me and I said good morning to them and I went down to where there, there was like a little I guess like a little breakfast area and I told the lady that was working, I said, oh, such a nice touch. I didn't know you guys had people come in in period costume um, and, and like walk around the hotel. Like, I guess that's kind of cool. And she looked at me like I had three heads and she said, uh, no, we don't we don't do that that we don't we don't really do that here and I think it was like a weird random weekend it was kind of very late summer so there was not a lot of tourists there and um, I thought huh okay well I know I saw them and they were dressed like you know they looked like they were gonna go walk on the beach in their 1910s clothes or turn-of-the-century clothes you know they were gonna go outside they had big hats on and and long dresses on and the one it was like uh, a blue it was like a uh, light pastel blue with like a white bib part I guess I don't I don't know how I would describe that and the other one was also in a in like a mint green pastel dress and she said no 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 we don't do that and I'm like okay well you're just a weirdo maybe you don't know what's going on at your hotel but you guys definitely do you definitely do that. So I went back to the room and I told my boyfriend about what I'd seen. And he said, oh, well, you know, this hotel is haunted, right? You probably saw a ghost. And I'm like, no way. But looking back, I think I actually did. And it's funny because I walked right past them, like literally close enough to touch. They did not look see-through. They didn't look strange. Just their clothing and their hair looked looked um you know not of this uh time or of the of the 90s i guess so i thought i'd share my story that was a cool story from the guy that called i can't believe you're going to bring your wife back there for uh, uh if something came home with you um but that was a cool story and i um i love your show thanks bye I love that story. I, I it, it rings a bell. I wonder if we've heard hey, something Tony like that. And Jenny, uh, I ah, in, oops, in the in the past, because it, it it that story rings a bell. I don't know if we had it written in or, or somebody called in something very similar um, years ago. Um, but gosh, can you imagine that? It's funny. Uh, there's a place called the Grand Hotel. I speak of it like it's some unknown building, but it's called the Grand Hotel. It's a great hotel on Mackinac Island in Michigan. And once a year, they do this thing uh, for Somewhere in Time because the movie Somewhere in Time, Jane Seymour uh, was filmed there. Um, and all these people dressed in period attire. And we actually went there and did it. Did the period thing uh, a couple years ago. And that was one hell of a, uh, a creepy experience. Um, I mean, it was neat. I shouldn't say creepy. It was just it was so interesting because it really people just 
they do it up so well and so authentically. You're like, oh my God, this is so bizarre because you feel like you're on the Titanic or something and everybody really is in the uh, attire very well. First time I was there that people were doing that weekend, I had no idea it was the theme weekend and I walked in and suddenly everybody's in this attire. I'm like, what the hell's going on? I thought I had gone back in time, just like this woman did on the call or the caller. Uh, but then someone explained to me, oh no, this is just our theme weekend. Don't be worried. <laughs> so uh, it's interesting with ghosts. Sometimes you, you expect them to be transparent. You expect them to be the floating librarian in Ghostbusters, but quite often they just look like normal people. And it makes you wonder how often are we seeing ghosts? And we're completely unaware of that fact, you know? 855-853-4802, our number at Real Ghost Stories Online. Hi. Hi, yeah. Um, so these stories always start out with, I'm a skeptic. People want you to believe that they're not the type of person who usually believes in the supernatural, that their world is one of, like, gears and logic and mathematics, a deist universe. Um, but that's not really true for me. And I'm not going to pretend it is for the sake of making the unbelievable or some might say unnatural events of my youth and what happened in that house more palatable. Um, when it comes right down to it, I have to be honest, tell you that I am gifted. I've had many interactions with those who've passed over and other spirits. I inherited it from my mom and she from my grandmother and so on. Um, but when I was young, it terrified me. And while sympathetic, my mother was unwilling to say much about it. Uh, she sort of shuns that portion of our lives. Uh, my father is a fundamentalist minister. And um, while we were obviously believed in the spirit world, as most Christians do, it was not something you were to interact with or acknowledge if you could help it. Um, to do so was dangerously close to witchcraft. Um, so I mentioned that for two reasons. The first is that I want you to understand that what I experienced in that house was so far outside the norm of most spirits I encounter that it's left this indelible impression of malevolence and simmering anger on me all these years later. Now, the second is I want you to understand that I had already had encounters with spirits and was firmly taught not to acknowledge what was happening or to interact. This is important because it was the lack of interaction that tended to anger the entity and it led to the escalation of the events that transpired and what I feel was ultimately to blame for the frustration that caused it to lash out and do bodily harm on the subsequent inhabitants. When I talk about ghosts or spirits or whatever, it's just the remnants of someone that's passed or some animalistic benign force that doesn't really care. But this was not one of those. Um, so... I guess I'm putting this off because it isn't my favorite thing to relive, but it makes it more real somehow to tell the story. So I, need I was there for like three, almost four years in that house. Um, it was a four bedroom home and my parents moved us to when we were, um, we had just started taking on foster kids and my parents' room was on the main level. Um, and, us kids where you were on the second floor. I say us kids, but like I was a little older. Um, we lived there till like, till I started high school or finished high school. Um, and I, like, I'd want to say things were normal at first, but to be honest, there was always this whisper to that place. Um, when we moved in, the whole house was very empty. 
Um, but the only decoration left in it was this uh, candle and a crucifix and a portrait of the Sacred Heart of Christ, uh, all within one room. Um, I remember because I thought it was weird because I was, you know, we were raised Protestant and it was like, very Catholic. Um, but any, anyway, uh, the room was large, but the ceiling was like low and sloped. And it was maybe seven or eight feet high in the middle of the room. And the candle and all that was at the far end in the only window. Uh, the door to the room was directly off the bathroom, but it was small. It was only about five feet tall. There was a stair down. So it all combined uh, to be just a little claustrophobic in there. Even though area-wise it was the second biggest room in the house. uh, But this was the room that it lived in. Um, I can't say why I know, except that you could feel it in there. I would get up to go to the bathroom at night, and I would feel it behind the door. Um, We lived in Upper Michigan, and my dad was insistent about the need for us to circulate the air in there during the winter. And the door wouldn't stay open, so he took the door off in the winter. And there were so many nights I would go to the bathroom after waiting as long as I could stand, sitting there on the cold porcelain with this, like, wide-open darkness just next to me. And I would just sit there and try and be as fast as I could and just listen and listening for it because I listened there in, there in the dark you could hear it pace it wanted to be noticed like that was a weird thing it would, it would wait to be noticed um, when we first moved in it was just like subtle things uh, whispered voices when you were the only one in the house footsteps in the darkness this like insistent hand between your shoulders as you walk down the stairs uh, and you walk down the stairs, your back would be to the room. But I was taught to ignore these things. Um, but the more we ignored it, the louder it got. Um, after just a few weeks in the house, there was started being this knocking at night. Um, and not like knocking on the walls, like knocking on our doors. Somewhere in the middle of the night, usually like one thirty, somewhere between like one thirty and 3.30, it was always like dead middle of the night. There would be a knock on our bedroom doors. Um, you know, my f- mother was the first to say something. And I had heard it a few times, but I'd opened the door to find nothing. And I just thought it was my older brother playing a trick on me because his room was right next to mine. But my mother thought, uh, she told us that whoever was doing the knocking in the middle of the night better fess up. She thought it was us. So... At that time, we were between foster kids, so it was just me and my brother, and we said it wasn't us, and he said he had heard it once, too, but he usually slept with headphones in. Um, so she estimated when it was, and it was the same time there was, like, that knocking um, on my door, so she told my brother to take his headphones out for a few nights, and a night or two later, it happened again. And I opened my door, and I heard my mother open hers downstairs, and my brother opened his just a second later. And, like, I could hear her downstairs, you know? Like, the knocking happened to all three of our doors at the same time. So we did this one more time, and all of us opened our doors at the same time, and then my mother told us just not to open our doors for the knocking anymore. If we heard a knock, we were just supposed to ask who was there, and if no one answered, we were supposed to ignore it. And... um 
be dead. I mean, it didn't stop. There were like three clear knocks in the middle of the night, just like, um, and like, it ranged from maybe once or twice a week to once or twice a month. It was frequent enough so that when we had foster kids, they asked and we had to tell any foster kids we took in not to open their doors at night. We just told them to just go back to sleep. And like, I realize now how absurd that is. Like, it's kind of crazy, but it became background noise. And it was just a peculiarity we weren't supposed to talk about. Um, so we didn't. I started sleeping with headphones on like my brother and we stopped answering the knocking. But that's when the voices started after the knocking and it would it would mimic people it would like I noticed it more than most we lived there until like I said like until I graduated high school and we took in young foster kids so um, my parents we weren't wealthy so my parents um, both worked and I spent a good bit of my time watching the younger kids um, and anyone who's like a parent or watches young kids will tell you you get used to listening Quiet kids often mean bad news, so I was frequently the only one in the house with the kids. But it liked to mimic. Um, it would it would usually mimic my mom, um, or at least to me. But sometimes it would mimic the foster kids too. Like I would hear my name from downstairs or upstairs or the next room, and then I would realize my mother wasn't around, like she was at work. I remember once I heard her yell from downstairs, like just after, it was like. You know, it gets dark early up there, uh, up in Michigan. So, I mean, it wasn't too late. It was maybe like six, but it was after nightfall. And um, it was just me and Trey, one of our foster kids in the house. I came out of my room and he opened his, he opened his bedroom door. Um, I knew our mother wasn't home, but I heard the yell again. It was her calling my name, but I just felt really weird about it. So I called her cell phone. Um, and she picked up. Uh, she was still at work. So she was <laughs> mad at me for calling her because it wasn't an emergency, but I was freaked out. And I just told, I just told Trey to go back to playing in his room. Um, but that night, I told my mom what happened when she got home. Um, and she told me it had been happening to her as well. So, like, a month earlier, my brother and I had walked into the house from the side door and... My mother jumped up and screamed. She wouldn't say why at the time. She just said she was startled. Um, but when I told her about what happened, she told me that the reason was she had just been talking to my brother and I from the bottom of the stairs, just like a minute earlier. She knew we were in our rooms because she had had a conversation with us, except we hadn't been home all day. Um, so this, this started happening more and more. Hell, it was just a given, and we didn't discuss it and it was just normal just sometimes you would hear people who weren't home or things that weren't there um, once I was making dinner in the kitchen and the window above our sink looked out over the backyard and I heard Trey upstairs and so I yelled up to him about dinner and he answered he was coming and like he went back to playing in his room and he was like yelling at his video games but I walked back to the kitchen and I looked out the window and he was outside in the backyard on the trampoline. But I could still hear him upstairs. He was talking. I was watching him through the window, but I was listening to his voice coming from his room. 
we just ignored it, um, ignored it and pray. And that's what we were told to do. And that didn't work. Um, it's about three years into living there. I mean, this happened. It just happened. It didn't ever stop, but like three years into living there, we were forced to deal with it. My mother was at work, and me and my mother and my brother and our uh, the foster kid that we had at the time, we were all in the kitchen. And uh, that room was right above the kitchen, um, the layout. It was ran the whole length of the kitchen. So we were having this conversation when suddenly there was this stomping above us. Because I don't like want anyone to think that it was footsteps. It was stomping, like a very large man, like not even like... Like, a kid couldn't do this. It was like a very large man stomping insistently on the floor as he walked back and forth. So we were, we were like, freaked out. But after 30 seconds of listening to it, walking, like, the whole length of the room and back um, and not stopping, me and my brother, we ran to the stairs. And we could hear it as we went up, uh, coming from the from the room. Like, we knew where it was. We could hear it in the room. But the second we stepped on the upper floor, up on the second floor, it stopped. And we searched the room. We searched the whole floor. There was nothing. And then we came back down to the kitchen. And as soon as we got back to the kitchen, it started again. Like, almost rattling the house, just like, boom, boom, boom. And, like, so we ran upstairs. And as soon as we reached the top floor again, it stopped. This time, like, I I told them to wait at the bottom of the stairs. And then I ran around outside of the house checking on the roof just to see if there was anything up there. I like I couldn't understand how something could make that sound from the roof, but I we checked anyway, so I, there was nothing. So I came back inside to tell him. And as soon as I reached him, it started again. So this time we're like both right at the bottom of the stairs, these straight stairs, and we can hear it up there. Um, so we ran up the stairs, and it stopped. And we did this like two more times. We'd go back down to the bottom of the stairs and we'd stand there for a second and it would start stomping. Then we'd run up to the top of the stairs and as soon as we got, or as soon as we hit the second floor, nothing. So like by this time we're sort of freaking out. So we went back to the kitchen and then there were like three more loud booms and then it just trailed off the footsteps and then silence. And by this time, like, our foster kid was crying, and my mother was all shaken up, and, like, she just couldn't ignore it anymore. So she took me and my brother aside, and we all shared, like, some of the additional small things that were happening, like, just things being moved and missing and, like, nightmares. And um, so that hand that always seemed to push my brother and I, like, faster down the stairs like between our shoulder blades it was just like a pressure and my mom had apparently felt it too so my mom just told everyone that they weren't allowed to be alone in the house anymore and she moved some of her shifts around at work she fixed the railing on the stairs because it was like all wobbly and she told us to always use it and like they worked like in some practical ways like once I, I felt like I was pushed down the stairs but I caught myself on the railing and that happened to like my brother once or twice and my mom twisted her ankle on carrying some laundry but that could have just been due to you know how much laundry a teenage girl goes through but um we were just still supposed to ignore it and pray and so 
that's what we were taught and so we did that until we moved but by the time we had moved the thing in the house it was all worked out and we could all tell like things had gotten so frequent and there was there was an anger to things like the knocking at night had never stopped but now it was louder and like angrier um and the mimicked voices like we'd still hear the voices but they were sort of shrill and like irritated like you sometimes you would have a conversation you would think somebody was mad at you and then you'd realize you didn't have a conversation with that person but um i mean we all had headaches and stuff too but I didn't use the bathroom at night after that. I stopped drinking anything after sundown. And that thing, it was just, it, it was still there. Like, but my, my dad had taken another job. And when we moved, he decided to sell the house to the incoming pastor's family. So we talked about it, about the house, like with my mom before we left. And my dad thought it was stupid. And we shouldn't say anything. But my mom ended up feeling too guilty. So she told them. And the next family was sort of flippant, and she told them not to leave anyone in the house alone, and that the house was inhabited. But the new minister and his wife left it off, and they had some kids, but they said they would pray and things would be fine, and she was probably just stressed from moving. But two months later, we saw the family, and their oldest son was in a big ass leg cast. Um, he'd been home all alone. And he'd come downstairs, and there was this big old trapdoor-style door to the basement, and it was up. So he thought his dad or somebody had come home. So he called down from the top of the stairs, and these stairs had no railings. But he was home alone, and he said someone pushed him down the stairs from the top of the stairs. And he couldn't catch himself, and he broke his leg. Um, and he's like, he didn't hurt himself worse. But his dad just like rolled his eyes. The kid looked terrified. And um, I never saw that family again. We weren't in the area anymore and just been back to finish some business. But I went back to that house like a month or so ago. I hadn't back, been back to my hometown in 10 years. Me and my husband drove by so I could show him where I lived and we parked across the street. And I looked up on that gray house and I could just feel it looking back. My husband said something, looked out the window at us, but he'd heard the stories. I didn't see anything, but I didn't need to. I, I just remembered the feeling of that hand between my shoulder blades and that pressure on the back and like sitting there at night with that pacing. And I felt the thing in that house and I knew it was still there. I knew it was. That's what you call good storytelling, kids. That was very well done. Thank you for calling and sharing that story with us. I think probably one of the best calls we've ever received on this show. Thank you for uh, really being super concise and chronological. And that was such a convincing, compelling account of a haunted childhood. What it felt like moment by moment going through that. Those mimicking ghosts, when you have things that are taking on the sound or feel or sight of the living, that gets very scary. Thank you again for your call and sharing that story with us. 
That's going to wrap up today's episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. If you like our show, please consider becoming an extra podcast person. That's an EPP at ghostpodcast.com. With it, you get access to all of our bonus episodes, brand new ones every single week at ghostpodcast.com or through Patreon. If you like Patreon, patreon.com slash real ghost stories to sign up there. And thank you for the support in advance. Until next time, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to Real Ghost Stories Online. We expect a lot from our homes. They're more than a place to hang your hat. They're where you try your hand at gardening and new recipes, rest and recharge, work and play. And that's why at HomeAdvisor, we're committed to keeping your home up and running. Whether you need to repair an overloaded appliance or you're looking to create a backyard retreat worthy of a summer staycation, use the HomeAdvisor app day or night and we'll find a local pro to get the job done right. Whatever you need, we'll do everything to fix your everything. Download the HomeAdvisor app today to get started.